everybody out there. This is Tyler. And I'm Danny. And nah, I don't really have it. Oh, actually, no, here, I got something. Wine, cheese, ketamine. <laughs> there we go. That's an intro, right? I think so. Okay. Anyway, this is Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. I already said my name. You already said your name. Today, we're going to talk about coherence. We're going to try to be coherent, but what's going to be working against us is the fact that we're about to start in on our first section and get to some green hits. I didn't even ask you today. What did you bring me today? Oh, yeah. So this one I brought over is White Wolverine. It is a nighttime strain. Once again, from Flower, local dispensary here in town. Now, I did look up some information, and unfortunately, I don't have anything with White Wolverine, but because we're detective sleuths sometimes... (laughs) I was like, you know, I'm wondering if it's a combination of White Widow and Wolverine Kush. Oh. So if it is, I can give you some information, at least on the Wolverine Kush, because I believe we have brought in over White Widow in the past. So Wolverine Kush is a indica dominant. It's like a 70-30% indica sativa split. It said that this one is from an unknown percentage of, like, strains because it's been kept secret. But THC usually ranges, like, from 19 to 20% on the Kush. The one over at Flower, this particular strain is like 25.5%, so do what you want with that. But the notes on this is that you'll get some chocolatey coffee, maybe some grape and skunky notes, and a little bit of a dank and chemically aroma to it. So that's what I got from there. Mine's simple. One of my favorites and go-tos, I brought you some silver tip today. The difference being I got this just straight up silver tip rather than the blueberry silver tip that they normally have over at top shelf. GDP and super silver haze, tasty as shit. I agree. Very berry. It's very good. <laughs> very, very good, sir. <laughs> very good. I'm going to light this and we are going to get into the guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right, coherence. Guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Start with a fucking spoiler-free setup of coherence. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Group of friends get together after not a long split, but long enough that things have occurred in their lives for a dinner party on the same night as a strange comet passes overhead. And when the lights go out in the neighborhood, except for one house down the street, things only start to become stranger. I do like that. That's a good brief setup of what this film entails. And, of course, we like to talk about the people going to make in the film from week to week and the actors and actresses in front of the screen. And this week we have director and one half of the writing team. This gentleman is James Ward Burkett. He is known for working on such films as Pirates of the Caribbean, Tales of the Code, Wedlocked, and he's also responsible for helping on Rango, the video game, as well. It's interesting. No shit. The video game adaptation of Rango? All right. Yeah. And the other half of the writing team is Alex Mnugin, and this gentleman is known for helping write some episodes for Grey's Anatomy back in 2018 through 2019. Hmm. All right. We have two cinematographers on the film. We have Arlene Muller and Nick Sadler. Now, Arlene, this is the only film credit I have of date, and Nick Sadler has a couple of different film credits. So a long... With Coherence, he is also responsible for Pirates of the Caribbean, Tales of the Code, Wedlocked. He's also responsible for Cavemen and the Victoria's Secret Swim Special. All right, moving forward, we have editor Lance Pereira. And Lance, once again, another person who's got some interesting credits to their name. Lance has also worked on the Pirates of the Caribbean, go figure. He's also worked on Fight or Flight and A Cure for Wellness, which is one I definitely need to watch. I've heard some really good things about that one. All right, so moving forward, we have music composed by Kristen Orne Druid. She's also responsible for the films Alien Game, Empty Fuller, and The Attic Door. We have special effects done by Digital Sandbox. They help with the visual effects, although they went uncredited. This was produced by Lini Bossiger, Alyssa Burkett, James W. Burkett, and Alex Munugin. Production companies on this were Bellanova Films and Ugly Duckling Films. The distributor was Oscilloscope Laboratories. I was really glad that Oscilloscope was a distributor on this because yeah. when I saw that old school Oscilloscope yeah, logo, I was like, hell yeah. Up, I was like, yeah. Yeah, they usually put out some pretty decent films, not going to lie. But they did help with the 2014 media release here in the States for the film. 
It had a release date on September 19, 2013 at the Austin Fantastic Fest in Texas here in the States and June 20, 2014 at its stateside premiere. The budget was an estimated $50,000 and it grossed about $102,000 at the box office. There are a couple of different taglines, but the one I got, and this is one off the poster, is rearrange your brain. Uh, and I was okay. like, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I can see how you could argue how that would fit, especially with a tagline you are specifically addressing the audience. Yeah. That being said. I know, right? Not really yeah. good for, like, none, selling none. this movie in any way. I agree with that. I think that one is more directed towards the audience, more so than the film itself. Oh, I do want to say that that 100000 that it made was in a total of seven theaters. Oh, damn, that's not bad. Whenever I get a chance, that's something I'm going to start looking up more often with some of these small-budget films, because we've seen that a few different times with, like, You're right. it looks like it doesn't do well, and then you realize it was made for a very specific reason, I was mean, only put out in a very small for release. For seven theaters, that's a pretty decent return. Mm -hmm. And only opened in two theaters. Oh, wow, there you go. So Its widest release was eh? seven screens. Wow. Not bad, actually. All right, so getting into the cast, I want to lead off. And I think the way I've got this written down is by couple, so to speak. All right, so I'm going to lead off with Emily Baldoni. She plays a role, of course, of M or Emily. A lot of Danzas in this cast. There are a lot. And it's like, okay, we get it. All right, so a few films of note from her. She was in a film entitled Killer Pad, which, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was directed by Robert England. She was also in the films Grizzly Park. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, and a more recent film, Five Feet Apart, uh, which was directed by her husband as well. Actually, it's one I've watched a little bit of. It's it's not bad. It's more of a teen kind of romance mm. kind of thing. All right, moving forward, we have Maury Sterling plays the role of Kevin. Now, Emily and Kevin are a couple in the film. And Maury, he's got a couple interesting things of note. Some people might know him because of his role as Max Piotrowski in the television series Homeland. He was also Rafferty in the comedy film Beverly Hills Chihuahua and Lester Tremor in the action film Smoking Aces. Now, he's also been in such things as like Judging Amy, ER, Star Trek Enterprise, 24, CSI, Crime and Semen Investigation. He's done the rounds. Yeah, he does some voice acting, hence the Beverly Hills Chihuahua and stuff like that as well. So. Yeah. The voice acting he's done is hilarious. Like, I know I've heard his voice, but it's not like big named yeah, roles. Dude. Well, There's... one is kind of one is kind of big. Well, in Star Wars, The Old Republic, which is the MMO, mm -hmm. it's not Knights of the Old Republic, which was the console gotcha. RPG. He's the male smuggler voice. That's crazy. Which means he potentially had to record a shit ton of dialogue for that game you're probably right there's a few films i was looking through i was like wow he was actually in the a-team back in 2010 he was also in a film andre the butcher which i own i have a watch but it stars ron jeremy so don't put too much stock in that film and another thing actually i want to check out a bit meaning to do it is he voiced perry francesco and perry franz and batman's the killing joke hmm all right, so moving forward, we actually have probably the most recognizable actor in the cast, and that is Nicholas Brendan, who plays the role of Mike. And I think for us 80s-slash-90s kids, we're always going to know him as Xander Harris in the television series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I was so happy to see him in this. Yeah. I was like, like oh. I wasn't even a big Buffy fan, but I was like, oh, shit, Nicholas oh, Brandon. <laughs> I know we went over it a little bit when we did. I know what you did last summer when we talked about Sarah, mm -hmm. but... What I find interesting is like, man, when Buffy came out, it was definitely targeted for my demographic, like the teen, you know, high school teen and whatnot. So I'm very familiar with Brendan. But a couple of other things of note from him. He played Kevin Lynch in Criminal Minds. He's also been in the films Big Gay Love and, I mean, quite a few other things of note, like Unholy, Psycho Beach Party. He was in Children of the Corn Part 3, Urban Harvest. Quite a few television roles as well. But most importantly is he's Xander. Exactly. That's and, forever most important. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, here's an interesting thing. Shouldn't be surprising, but his brother, who goes by Kelly Donovan, does play a, a copy of him in the film. And we'll talk about that, of course, a little bit later on. All right, we have Lorraine Scafaria. She plays the role of Lee, which is Mike's wife in the film. Now, Lorraine, she's actually got some really cool things of note. Now, she's a screenwriter, a playwright, an actress, and a film director. She wrote and directed, and this was actually her debut for filmmaking, was Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. 
I never did watch that, but I still even remember the trailers. That looked yeah. good. Did you ever see I it? I did watch it. It's not yeah. bad. It's okay. it's a decent film. It's it's not bad at all. She was also responsible uh, for such things as The Meddler, Hustlers, and she also helped uh, write the film, or she had a, a writing credit for the film, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I didn't know she directed Hustlers. Like, way to fucking go her. That movie did fucking well for itself. I think she's making her name more mm-hmm. so in that particular field instead of acting, which is good on her. All right, we have Hugo Armstrong plays the role of Hugh. A few films of note from him. He was in the film Roman J. Israel Esquire, Room 104, and the film Lucky. I also saw he had a couple of episodes, if I'm not mistaken, in Fear the Walking Dead, so some people might recognize him in that as well. All right, we have Elizabeth Grayson plays the role of Beth, who is Hugh's wife in the film. Now, here's something interesting about this lady. It's Amanda! <laughs> I was like, man, reading a couple of things from her, I saw that she won the title of Miss America back in 1982. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, she's been in a ton of films, such things as like The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. She was in Mark for Death, if you're into Stephen Seagal for whatever reasons. <laughs> yeah, you already mentioned it, Highlander television series. That was like probably her biggest role. Guess who loved the Highlander television series? I was a big fan of the movies when they came out. Christopher Lambert, all that stuff. Yeah, and I remember watching quite a few of the television series as well. So I was like, that's pretty interesting, man. And uh, a few other things of note. She was in Charmed, Bite Me, as a vampire queen. She was also in War of the Worlds Goliath as Lieutenant Jennifer Carter, where she voiced the role. So quite a, a number of things she's done as well. All right, so moving forward, we have Lauren Mars. She plays the role of Lori, and a few things of note from her. She was also, of course, in the Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. She was also a, a part of Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, and a few television roles here and there, but that's mostly what she's known for. I believe she also like was one of the wenches that slapped Johnny Depp's character in Pirates of the Caribbean, so... Some people might recognize her because of that. And I've already mentioned him, but Alex Mnugin plays the role of Amir, where their two characters, Lori and Amir, they're kind of like a couple, but not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You did give us a brief setup of what this film entails. Some warnings? Drug use? Yeah, slight drug use, some drinking. A little, a little bit of violence? I say, some violence, you know, it's language. I mean, this is not really spoiled, but it's sci-fi, so there's going to be some weird things happening. Yeah, yeah. Involving an an astronomical event. Like, if we're going to be honest, this probably falls a little bit more in sci-fi thriller. I think so. But especially with where the end goes, I can't see not also including it in the horror. Yeah, it has touches, little tins. Yeah, it's it's close enough, and it builds suspense in the right way that it fits for our show, I think. I agree. Yeah. But with that in mind, like, that's the kind of the warning is like, it's not like there's not much warnings to give you. Yeah, surprisingly. It was shot for $50,000 and you can kind of tell sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. But like I said, we'll get into all that good Mm -hmm. stuff. Let's find out how it made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, coherence, Danny. I hadn't seen this before. I know that it came as a recommendation through you. Yeah, so there was a gentleman that used to work with us, and that gentleman is Alex. And if Alex, not the one that has been on the show prior, but Alex, you know who you are. Thank you once again for the recommendation. Because Yes, thank you. Yeah, he was highly touting this film. He said typically whenever he recommends a film, this is kind of his go-to. And because we are who we are, you know, we, sometimes we don't have films lined up. And I was like, you know what? Why not? It was a suggestion. And so, yeah. yeah. So here we are. So anyhow, wanted to thank Alex for the recommendation there. And that's how I found out about this film, too. So prior to us uh, reviewing, I had not seen it before. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my first two times watching it. All right, so that being said, let's get to our short review. I fucking dug it. Likewise, I was like, wow, this reminds me of a couple of different films. Not necessarily entirely like them, but Mm -hmm. similar in tone. I was like, "I I like it. All right, this is the spoiler section. The easiest way to talk about this movie is going full in on just acknowledging the spoilers from the get-go. So, like, you should know already that this is a spoiler section, but really, like, if you haven't seen this movie, (laughs) parts of this probably aren't going to make much sense unless you've seen it. That's a solid point. And, like, we're going to spoil the fuck out of what's going on. 
you can't review this film without at least spoiling a little bit, even bare bones. Yeah. You just can't help it. And I mean, it does like play in to like our experience with it because this is another one of those movies, like I've brought up in the past, like at a certain point watching so many movies works against some of the movies that you end up watching because you know certain things right away. Yeah. It's how yeah. they play with them. <laughs> You're right. For instance, it was instantly obvious that it wasn't the same hue in a mirror. Right? You would agree, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even my first time through, I was like, yeah, there's something off about these two dudes. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if they're, like, fucking creatures. I don't know, you know, they're aliens. Yeah, I didn't know the, the slant, if you, if you will. But it's not them. It's not the same guys that left. No. And that's where it starts to get interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean... You'd have to imagine there's a lot more casual viewers who would just think that it's the same guys acting weird. Exactly. Because what else could it be? You're not really. And it's more that. like, why are they acting weird? Which would probably make the reveal a little bit later on even bigger. And I think that's probably its intention too. But I'm like, I already know it's not them. Yeah, what yeah, version yeah. of not them is it going to be? Yeah. All right. Since we're in this spoiler too, the big kind of like, you know, red flag, if you will is the fact that there's a, an astronomical event, Miller's Comet, is happening. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> I kind of get it now. <laughs> if you make this happen at the same time as an astronomical event, it's going to be weird shit. It's not them. And I was like, okay, I like where this is going. Yeah. I just wanted to see where their twists were at and what have you at that time. So Now, I do want to get my biggest hang-up with this film out of the way right off the bat because this is simply like... There's no way for me to defend or completely object. This is just my subjective yeah, no, taste. No worries. But there's different ways to approach low budget. I don't know if I could necessarily categorize or explain them all, but they each come with the film ending up looking a certain way. This is one of my least favorite looks. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? No, you're saying. Oh, and that kind of ties in with the fact that I kind of hated the shaky cam of this movie. Yeah. I got the intent, which was to sort of make us feel like we were one of them and to more organically insert us within the action of what's going on in the yeah, scene. Yeah, there, there's some immersion going on for sure. Didn't dig it in this movie. Yeah, it's like, it's all right. Same thing. It's like, I understand what they're going for, what mm -hmm. the intention is. But I, yeah, that's the thing. I understood it. It just wasn't my... Right. Same thing. It's like, I understand. There are like minor critiques. Mm -hmm. It doesn't distract from the film. It's just like, eh, not necessarily our cup of tea. And it doesn't necessarily take away from the movie for anyone other than me. And that's what yeah. I immediately and understand. And that's like they're like super minor critiques, and I get it, mm -hmm. you know. We all have it, man. So maybe walking through it just slightly, thinking about the film too, is like it starts off and immediately if you're any fan of this particular genre, you start to notice like, all right, her phone cracks in the middle of a phone call and the phone's kind of dropping in and out. Something's not right. That was weird. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's interesting. What is this in relation to? And then you start then to get the introductions. This movie immediately dated when everyone is mentioning <laughs> Skype instead of Zoom. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So being that this film came out in 2013, mm -hmm. yeah, it's- I was like, Skype? It's, already, it's weird, but it's already Motherfuckers dated. Motherfuckers forgot about that shit in like 30 seconds. <laughs> it's crazy, man, but- it shows you how fast technology mm -hmm. really has come. So The second sign that I wrote down, and this was, of course, through my second viewing, because I'm looking for these things now, was everyone's phone is out of service. And I found it kind of odd, maybe like even condescending Mike's character. I've heard critiques about it, but it is what it is. And what I find interesting, too, is how all of the actors and actresses in this film, how they were given their scripts, you know, if you mm -hmm. want to call it that. It was mostly like just cue cards or note cards. Right. I didn't realize ideas. how much of this was improv yeah. until I looked up shit afterwards. And I was like, okay, that makes this even more impressive. I was at first impressed by the, not everybody, I will say that a couple performances I wasn't that impressed with, but I felt like everybody's dialogue felt very realistic, Yeah, especially compared to the way most movie parties play out. Mm where they never seem to allow it to get as chaotic as it can be with so many people talking over each other. Yeah. And that kind of happens 
but in an organic way in this movie and where like yeah, things are important. Natural. So like people will start to talk over each other and sort of like <laughs> back off for a second yeah. and be like, oh shit, no, I got to listen to this. Like, <laughs> but it does show like the intent. And this is what I read a little bit too from the director was to have actors and actresses who could do improv, you know, have those skills. And I think it worked. I think they, they feel organic, like you were saying, in their relationships and what they say in their dialogue. And just the fact, too, that they have those kind of dialogues where they might be start talking over the top of each other. Anywho. And I mentioned it already. I got to yeah, I'm, no, I'm going to get my shitty things out of the no, way early yeah. on with this. I'm not impressed with Hugh's performance. He's all right. They're, He's uh, I mean, nobody does. Bad. No, they're not bad. But yeah, his is like. But I was like, <sighs> OK, OK. Yeah. I get that you guys are doing this on a budget, but let's. You guys got Nicholas Brendan across the room from him. I know, right? Hmm. And everybody else who I don't even know are doing great jobs. Yeah, everybody's carrying their weight. Maybe most impressive for me was, oh, fuck, what's her real name? Amanda. What's her her character? Grace? Beth. Beth. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, I know this person. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, we show Beth to her fucking groceries every day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, you're right. What I was wanting to say during that second kind of big tip off to me was how Emily was like loaded with information about the comets. Mm. And Hugh starts to bring up one about something that happened in Finland. Emily starts to tell the tale. Now, if you're really paying attention to the expo in this, I mean, this the film's kind of spelling itself out to you in a certain way. There are like four moments in this movie, maybe more. I didn't actually write them down because this is one of those movies where I'm like, if I write down everything I want to write down about this movie, I'm going to fill out three pages of notes (laughs) and I'm going to turn it into a three-hour podcast. Yeah, but we've been there, done that. (laughs) And I'm good on that shit. So I started being kind of selective about what I was actually writing down. But there are like four big moments where I like that the movie just stops and is like, this is what's going on. Because otherwise, this could be a really hard movie to follow. Man, you're not kidding. It could be really confusing. I know that it's the same cast of people. I know that in the past, I have railed on movies for stopping and explaining things to the audience. There are times when you're dealing with science fiction premises like this that it can be very helpful to make sure that everyone's on the same page before you move forward. I 100% agree, especially with like the stuff that's going on here. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just a casual fan. Or- Once you realize basically that it's more than two realities. Wow. It starts getting mind bending. <laughs> and that's wow. where I was like, cause you watched this before me this week mm-hmm. and you were like, oh, it's kind of similar to something. As soon as you said that, I'm like, I bet it's similar to Time Crimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I went into it, and I got fucking stoned, and I was watching it, and I completely forgot that I had said that to myself. <laughs> and I was going through, and it had me sucked in on the two realities. And I was like, but then things started to not add up. And I was like, wait, what? And then they revealed there was more, and I was like, fucking time crimes. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> but then it revealed yeah. it was way more. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, this is really trippy. And then I started trying to do the math myself in my head. That was the thing. I The two things I paid attention to the second time through, and one I made notes of and one I didn't, was every time somebody was presented with a choice. Yeah. That was something I noticed, too, the second time around was, I think they even talk about that a little bit, was people's choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some interesting things, I think, not only within the film... But thematically, that this film was almost like a, a study on oneself, their ego, or like, you know, because they bring up certain stuff like that with the dark side of themselves. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's kind of interesting. They're, they're throwing little things in there like this. Especially the second time through, I noticed it was kind of reinforced early on the fact that choices are being made when Kevin tells Emily, if you don't say yes, it becomes a no. Yeah, it's still a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Then you get into, like, when the dinner party starts. In gen- The beginning and the end of this movie are what really matters to Emily. She's arguably the main character once you actually get through the flick. But the middle part is very much about the group. Mm-hmm. But that beginning and end, you have her story 
of showing kind of why she would want to have the ability to make other choices because she made kind of one choice that kept cascading. Yeah. And then like a ripple someone effect. else had her life. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean your career fucking Lori's the worst at that dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Everyone's always fucking covering for her too. Wow. Yeah. There's some snide little remarks here and there, mm-hmm. some banter, if you will. But you're right. He gets catty. Well, she's just not good at being social early on in the day. Di- I'm yeah. talking before the snide remarks even start. Gosh, like, dude. Early on in that dinner, she's just like bringing up all the wrong topics with people. Yeah. She <laughs> and Mike were having that conversation about him acting and he was like about yoga and stuff. It's like, wow. Second time around, something I noticed, what I found interesting was everybody's relationship to each other had this weird, either they were former partners or they had affairs. Mm. I thought well, it was that, weird. That also felt like weirdly real. Cause I was like, this feels like an actual friend group. Like these people have actually hung out for like yeah. 10, 15 years total. They have some history <laughs> and that's what shows it. I was like, wow, that's interesting that that would, but it does make sense. Like you were saying in friend groups and stuff like that. I mean, that shit like that happens, mm-hmm. you know, so it gives it a little bit more realism, which is nice. Not that we have to necessarily bring them all up, but I did notice it a little bit in the first time. Second time, it's more obvious, is the use of, whether it's power outages, going in and out of dark spaces or through the door and stuff like that. There's a lot of those little moments, too. In this okay, moment. so I wanted to bring that up. I wasn't sure when to. Is every hard cut us flashing to a different... I almost feel like it probably is. <laughs> Given the numbers that we see or hear about later on, there's chance to reason. Right, because the numbers that you see them figure out on the screen is not even close to the amount of choices that they've actually made through the night. Absolutely, man. And the <laughs> movie wild. seems to only count when they're making hard choices or when they're yeah. throwing out possibilities. Every possibility <laughs> that Mike brings up, one of those mics goes out and does. Exactly, dude. And that's kind of the scary thought about this film, given the probability and the number of variants, as they put it, you know, over 5 million variants. <laughs> Whoa. The 5 million was off of just the dice and yeah, the glow sticks. The glow sticks. Yeah, that was it. Not every little choice and everything in between, conversations, yeah. what have you. It starts to change those numbers. And it doesn't seem to be like going so far as being like, there's a reality where. He moved his hand this way instead of that way. <laughs> it seems to only be going off of like right. intellectual choices. And I understand that too. But still, if you add in all those other little things, who knows? Those numbers grow astronomically every little decision you make. And we're only watching this friend group. This is happening above that entire city. I know. That's wild, isn't it? <laughs> That's the scope you have to think about too. It's We just see that one little friend group, eight people. Mm-hmm. And... Seemed like they were in Los Angeles, somewhere like that. Yeah, something. California somewhere. There's lots of people there. So maybe we should just like flat out say what's happening so that if anybody isn't caught up with us, they can understand. (laughs) Yeah. During one of the exposition scenes, they bring up Schrodinger's cat and quantum possibility states and stuff like that. And pretty well lay out like, as long as you don't know within the realms of quantum physics, both exist simultaneously until you do know. Right, and that's... An, and it's a, more of a thought experiment exactly. than something that actually works out mathematically, but it can be used to very helpfully illustrate some of the weirder parts of quantum physics. Precisely. And then it goes into quantum decoherence, which is basically... I mean, in sci-fi, it's what, like the many worlds theory, basically. Yeah. Every choice you make, there's, you know... What we're oh, seeing in uh, this, like, it spins off a timeline where you make a different, the, the opposite choice or a different choice in that moment. Right, right. Like, so whatever choice you make in your reality, the complete opposite happens in that other reality, so to speak, yeah. And, it, you know, every one of these choices wow. spins off a new reality. But because of quantum decoherence, they never overlap. And so if you, then you think of the fact that this movie is named Coherence, you're like, okay, so the asteroid is making it so that they overlap. Mm-hmm. While it's up there. Exactly. It's starting to... Or the comet. Whatever. Probably, yeah, it's starting to weave those lines together. So when weird things start happening early on in this movie, 
it's because it's other versions of them. And that's and oh, we don't man. have time to oh, list God. out the way oh. it all loops in on itself. We'd be here for a while. But it literally all makes sense. Everything that happens to them, you can trace to either a decision somebody makes later in the movie or a decision that they say out loud but never do, but that means that a different one of the realities <laughs> does do it. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I think, too, what helps that, maybe uh, visually, mm-hmm. is when Emily makes that choice to escape her current reality and she keeps going through different realities until she finally mm-hmm. chooses her idealistic one. It lets you know all those variants, and we only see just a few of them, but in each one there's something different. So that's what's going on. But like we said, there's so much else going on. There is so many fucking hard cuts in this movie Yeah, that you can argue every single time it happens, you're switching to a different reality. Dude, I have so many like, little so time stamps. It doesn't even have to be a hard cut. No. You can argue every cut in this movie is switching to a different reality because there's over 5 million different realities. That's just <laughs> what they figure out. Like we said... There's more choices made that you can see the effects of through this movie. Oh, yeah. So you know that you're taking their number multiplied at least by five or six other choices. It's nuts, man. So they're <laughs> randomly cycling through Oof. 500 million different realities. Saying, yeah, those numbers start to get bonkers when you start thinking about that. <laughs> Jesus, man. I think that was something in this film that gave me the idea if... That's something that was, you know, tangible, something that was like a reality, you know. It's like, how scary would that be, knowing that? Like, every choice you make, even though you might visually know the person, that reality changes based on theirs and yours. And it's like, man, that's wild. You become somebody completely different if you walk into a different reality. Oh, my God. I loved this at the beginning because I was like, wait, holy shit, watching it the second time through. Because once I knew what was going on, like I said, that was the thing I was looking for. Like, when are the switches happening? Because we know that even by the end of this movie, it's not even the same friend group, technically. Yeah. I don't even know if you could say, who is it, Beth and Lee? Well, by the very end of this movie, it's definitely not the same friend group because because we follow Emily. But, I mean, before that. Oh, no, no, yeah, prior to that, prior to that, before she leaves the house and makes her choice, Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't even know. Individually, if all of them were completely in a different reality, it's just they're stuck together in this current one. <laughs> but I love that the first switch is even all of them. And that's why the fucking class is broken when they come back. Yeah. I was going to say. I don't remember that happening. Uh, I was going to say this too. There's things that this film does like that. It does come back later, and I'll explain, yeah. which was really cool. But even in dialogue, for instance, Beth, she's talking about, you know, feng shui. She's like, what's this door doing over here? The door to nothing. Right. I mean, that's kind of a big giveaway, too. Anytime they go through the door of nothing or whatever, door to nowhere, mm-hmm. that, too, is it's changing, you know? It's like, wow, that's pretty trippy. But they do kind of spell things out if you're paying attention. It's still kind of neat, though. They manage to very much inject a little bit of extra suspense with a red herring in the middle. We get misexposition suddenly rambling off about the Tunguska event, which nothing even close to that ever happens, but suddenly that's an option on the table. I know, right? Especially because she's already been spot on with everything else. Mm-hmm. At least she ends up being spot on by the time you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, oh, that's what happened in Finland. Yeah. It's like, all right, we get it. But you're right. There's some interesting things like that. Oh, first time around, what I thought was neat, second time through, you know, you you understand what it is, but... So when they find that lockbox with all their photos and the numbers, mm. and I was kind of wondering, I was like, oh, what, what is this about? That's one of the parts that where I'm like, sweet, this is a horror movie, because that's creepy as fuck. Oh, yeah, and it's pictures of them, and not only that, but Emir is like, this photo was taken tonight. How do you know? I was like, I fucking bought this shirt today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hello. That would be weird and creepy. Also, like, what? it was in this house. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? He's like, how do you explain this? <laughs> Dude, I've been here. I've been here the whole time. I'm air quoting that, but you don't know that first time through. And if you do, you, you're the champ. You're the real MVP. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I try to keep track of all the switches. So I had everybody switched in the beginning. Hugh and Amir switched when they went to the other house. Right. 
Mike, Lori, Emily, and Kevin switch when they do the walkout and run into the group with... The red glow sticks. With the red glow sticks. Arguably, they switch back another time, too, when they run back. But it's not There's, a switch that actually matters because you never see any in between. They make mention of a, of a dark spot. Mm-hmm. So I think anytime anybody runs at that, you're right. You're running into, like they were saying, that roulette of different realities, possibilities. It's when they get back from all of that, it's when Hugh and Amir start figuring out that they're like, uh-oh, we didn't come back to the same reality, did we, bro? No, because they're like, they're talking about the book and all this other stuff, the lockbox. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, Mike disappears for a little bit, and you find out that oh, he dude. switched because he went to go do the blackmail, and he mentioned earlier that one of those other mics is probably drinking, and we get drunk Mike that shows back up. Yeah, I need a bottle. Emily didn't go far enough into the street when she had that encounter with other Kevin, though, because she does go back to the same group. Right. That was kind of a creepy moment. I like that one, too. Is that it? Well, then, of course, then Emily's all big ones at the end. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to think in between. I want to say that, yeah, that might be up to date. Okay, so who was it that was sleeping? It was Lee. That's Mike's wife. Right. And you know how I know, too? It's kind of a cool moment. There was a conversation that Lee and Beth had in the kitchen earlier. They was like over some little house plan or some shit. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the film, when Lee wakes up and goes back in the kitchen, and Emily's in there, and she hears them have that same conversation again. I think she's starting to piece together. It's like, whoa, I'm in the wrong house. I'm in a different reality. So it ends up becoming really complicated to try to follow it correctly. Everything does loop back around. Mm -hmm. But I guess my question is, is this a little bit darker than upon first glance? Because we know that Emily number one ends up using some of the ketamine to drug final Emily before all of that end scene plays, or you know, with the way that that end scene plays out, which you assume just loops back to some of the ketamine being missing from earlier in the movie, right? Yeah, solid. But different people were disappeared for different bits of the movie. The reality she ends up in, it doesn't end up being... Lee gone from the party, it ends up being her gone from the party. So does that mean in that original timeline, it wasn't her that was searching through timelines, there was a Lee searching through timelines mm. that drugged and killed the original Lee? I could see that too. Yeah. And so that actually wasn't original Lee that came through, because Lee and Beth ended up being the ones that they thought were OGs. Right, from the original. Because they never school. left the house after that first time when the entire group left. Right. Right. But, you know, given there was only six possible numbers you could roll out of mm-hmm. over five million, we already said that a couple of times, variants, chances are you could still roll the same die mm-hmm. with whomever and still be different people. Exactly. So I can see that. Is that, that why that sense. ketamine was missing or does it work <laughs> out? I, I guess I, I know what you're saying, though. I haven't mapped this enough to work out why the ketamine was missing in that reality that we were in at that point. Mm. Because point. nobody attacked that Emily. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it yeah. like it ended up being Lee. <laughs> yeah. So was she successful? That's a good point, man. I think there's a lot of those possibilities. Because we see in one of the versions of the reality is Mike attacking Mike. You know? And both Mike's <laughs> tied up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, damn, this is... There's infinite A lot things. of those realities got fucked up by that night. Exactly, dude. But like you were saying and what you're bringing up, there's a possibility that, yes, Lee could have been doing all that shit. Like, same thing. And I can't believe I looked up what a couple other people had to say about this movie. I didn't see anybody else bringing that up. I was like, I'm pretty sure Lee got her ass replaced. I know. It's wild, isn't it? (laughs) But that's that's the thing about this film is it brings up those possibilities. It makes sense. I just realized that I actually answered. I was like, oh, what's my next note? Oh, I the movie answered that. I just never did anything to my note. I'm like, do the dice create their own possibilities? Fuck yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every roll of the die, right? I did have, man, I fucking started laughing so hard when they were talking about whether they should go, like, check the other house or whatever, because a version of this movie in my head started playing out 
where it wasn't like normal people just going and like trying to knock on the door and shit. But it was a version of this movie where it was like the jackass crew. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be fucking funny. (laughs) Just fucking like dildos flying in through fucking windows and shit out of nowhere. Like, what What the the fuck's going on? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's kind of funny, but it's a possibility. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Let's see. What do we got? What else do we got? What what haven't we talked about yet? Uh, Maybe if we brought this up earlier, but that glass... That was on the dinner table. Like oh, the yeah, yeah. The glass had the chip in it and whatever. Later on in the film, that does come back around when Lee is washing the dishes mm. and she's placing it down to dry. It's that same fucking glass, but this one doesn't have the chip in it. And for me, it's like little things like that throughout the film that they scatter in. It's like, ooh, man. Those are little moments that they sometimes they focus on, but you might not be focused on it. And I was like, damn, that's kind of interesting because, once again, it's showing you, like, you don't know where you're at (laughs) in these people's realities. Well, and it's also made apparent that a lot of these realities are having very similar things happen, but some of them are happening in different orders. Exactly. Not only is the night partially out of line anyway, it seems to be, and I don't know how to explain that. No, there's time gaps. Like, Mike has one where he, when he does come back and... Kevin's like, dude, I just talked to you like five, maybe 10 minutes tops ago. He's like, you're fucking crazy. I've been gone for 45 minutes. Well, and you can argue that that first house they saw is one where the first thing Mike does is go check the generator. Yeah, I mean, he goes down. Even in my mind, I was like, him going down there, you don't know if that's changing realities. You don't, yeah, you don't know if that is dark enough to cause a switch because we don't. We don't know. All we know is that extra dark area is the switch zone. Yeah, and Does that's... Does it have to be the extra dark area out in the street? Not necessarily. That's just one they recognized. Mm-hmm. It could be several of them. Who knows? But that's the interesting thing, too. It's, it creates all these possibilities, and your mind can definitely go there because this film... That's kind of what this film's about anyway. It's, it's like, wow, this is fucking gnarly. All right, I want to pull back around to something I don't like because it's... This movie otherwise kind of seems to play by all of its own rules, except for the fact that fucking Lori doesn't recognize goddamn Xander from being... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I read some things about that, like... Was that her just being super shitty? You know, I don't know, per se, but on the one of the things I read, it was like, maybe this film was in a sly way, like... Changing his reality instead of him being on Buffy, he was actually on Roswell. Right. Well, I mean... <laughs> That's just one theory. I, I mean, beyond that, though, like, it would imply that either the reality coherence instead of decoherence started far earlier and she's already switched before and there's another reality that she's originally from where he wasn't on the show. See? That's kind of what I'm getting at, too, yeah. Who knows? But there's no other hints of that. No, I don't and think she's so, never yeah. been in a zone where that would have happened. Yeah, like I said, it's the only time that this movie doesn't play by its own rules. That's a good point, and that kind of bugs me in retrospect. That's like, a solid point. Yeah, that's a good point. Because all the rest of the time, it seems to play by its own rules. Yeah, I don't know. That was just weird, especially upon rewatch when I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." But everything else fits. I mean, other than Tunguska, but yeah, but whatever. everything else is. Pretty solid throughout. I mean, what I was going to say, too, I was watching somebody talk about this film on one of the YouTube channels, but because it's it's dealing with, like, the idea of multiple universes and multiple realities and stuff like that, I didn't realize this, but I don't know if you know the band Eels. There's Mm-mm. the lead singer. His name is Mark Everett. He goes by E. But I was watching a PBS documentary, and I think it's, like, two worlds, two realities, something like that, but it's about his father, who was Hugh Everett, and he was one of the first, if not the first person, to propose the idea of multiple universes. Okay. And he did it while at Princeton. And so that whole documentary is about Mark going back to Princeton and kind of following what his dad's footsteps would have been on a daily mm-hmm. routine. But anyway, it's like that's kind of interesting that I, I've actually seen them, and that was what this film's kind of about. <laughs> you know, it's like that's kind of weird, but still kind of interesting. It's a good documentary if you get a chance to watch it, but... Mm-hmm. Anyhow, that's something I like about this film, too, is because it is dealing with, like, quantum physics and all these weird, you know, quote-unquote weird 
things that happen within it, it's like it really starts to make you think about shit. <laughs> you know, what is reality? Mm -hmm. you know, it makes you kind of question that too. And I think this film does a, a fairly decent job of it. Well, and I think one of the darker things about this ending, other than the fact that she's just fucked. Yeah, that was fucked up, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, more upon like when you're thinking about the choices she's making to begin with and stuff is, I don't know, we, we've talked before about how much like people just want things to be a certain way, even when they know they're not. And we get a little hint of that earlier when Amir's being like, well, it could just be the ketamine, right? And everyone's like, no, dude, like, there's only, like, this is nowhere near enough ketamine yeah, no, to be causing a mass hallucination in all of us. It's like, well, well, that'd be fucking nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be a nice explanation. And then you get to the end and all of this dirty laundry has been aired and her going through the rules of the movie that only one scene in the movie doesn't follow, so we're going to follow the rest of the movie. Right. Um, through the rest of this, the rules that are set out by this movie, none of that's gone away. She's just choosing a reality that looks happy. You're right. Who is it? Mike is somebody who brought up kind of what you are saying, too, when he said to Hugh, when Hugh finds out that Mike had an affair on his wife, mm -hmm. he's like, look, dude, he's like, I'm not the Mike that you should be mad at, but think about this. He's like, in every reality... Like, this just started tonight. Yeah. He's like, every Micah slut was bad. <laughs> so, yes, given, yeah, it's wild. She chose a reality where she, at the beginning of the night, chose to go to Vietnam with Kevin, and so they're acting all happy and lovey-dovey, but that doesn't mean that those underlying feelings between Kevin and Lori... Right. Aren't there. She doesn't know that. She's just assuming this. It's her ideal. It's like, oh, yeah, this one is, doesn't seem chaotic. Everybody seems hunky-dory. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to snuff Mike myself out. Mike didn't just out. get killed. Yeah, all right. That was kind of funny, I thought. Like, that other Mike just came in there and decked him in the face. <laughs> I kind of liked that. That was funny. And he had that green glow stick. I was like, damn, there it is. <laughs> that was funny. So, yeah, that's also kind of just like she's still just choosing the illusion. Right, exactly. And <laughs> she gets busted. <laughs> it's fucking funny. It is funny. It's I'm super like, dark, but it's funny. Fucking told you told everyone at the very beginning. Right, man. Oh, you know, Hugh being as cryptic as he was too about his brother and mm. stuff like that. Like I said earlier, I know this film does certain things to let you know in a sly way of what it's trying to do. And I think that's one of those things. Like, oh, my brother happens to be a physicist. Oh, he happens to have. A lecture on all this shit. <laughs> come, come the fuck on, man. Why are you withholding all this stuff? It's like, they didn't know this. The safest thing they could have done all night is just stay inside and chill the fuck out. <laughs> That's all you can do. They had no way of knowing that. Mm -hmm. Who does? All right, so it's been brought up already. This movie's weirdly, even though it's not that similar, it's still kind of weirdly similar to Time Crimes. Right, and that was the film I was kind of alluding to, too. <laughs> so. Yeah. This or time crimes? Ooh, I ooh, I think I would probably more tend to recommend time crimes to be frank. That's like no discredit to this film because it's really good. Yeah. But as a horror fan, if I'm going to do that, I think if you're like, ooh, I don't know because they're both sci-fi too, but. Right. I think, I don't know. I, that's hard to say too. It's like, I don't know if time crimes leans more into I horror. Think, so. I think time crimes Possibly. is just as mind fucky while being easier to comprehend yeah like the twist still that's hits you just as hard i agree i agree and so maybe that that's where i'd be like it's a little bit easier you don't have to sit there and think as uh, much you're you not sitting here wondering if lee got replaced here's what i'll propose <laughs> as a uh it's like a truce or a uh, peace offering mm -hmm. as i would say do this i think this what maybe help make sense of this film is if you do watch time crimes and you like it then go back and watch this film because it'll make this film make more sense. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be, like I said, at least a fair way of choosing these films and which watch them and shit like that. So I like them both, but I think I like Time Crimes a little better. Fuck, this was good though. No, it was shit, solid, this man. This good. That's a solid recommendation. I can see why Alex recommends it too. It's a fun film. At 50K, I did read this too, a little trivia is that the house they shot it in was the director's house. And at the right. time, his wife was giving like a home birth. Mm. And so the scenes where Emily was out in the street, like peeking through the windows and she, 
his wife was having birth that night. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. That's interesting. Right. I was like, wow. And they also talked about there was like different, I guess, like one was a Snickers commercial was being shot in that neighborhood and there was something else being shot. So there was a lot of exterior lights they had to deal with mm. during their night shoots, especially like during dramatic scenes. So it's like, oh, <laughs> they did a pretty good job of covering that up. And the comet was done by practical effects, even though they don't say how, but it's like, okay, it still looked pretty decent. It was believable enough. I've probably already asked it like 10 times on whether the hard cuts are them switching or not. But I will say, oh, though, there was a weird thing about the hard cuts that did make me laugh every once in a while. Well, the first time through, it made me wonder how this was originally presented. Mm. Because I, some of those hard cuts, I was like, was this originally filmed as like a web series? Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. And then some of them are just timed to be like, and now we go to commercials. <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> no, that first major cut that let me know I was going into the second act was like the power outage, mm. stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay, now I know where the transitions are at. I wasn't realizing all those little things in between leading up to that were also mm -hmm. those microcosms events, I suppose. So, yeah, still clever. I don't know if I really have too much more to say on this without uh, just sitting here and like listing out. One last thing I'll say is I do like how the score kind of heightens certain scenes mm. and certain events, if you will, that are about to happen or like trigger things. So I think that was good use of the score and the end credit track's not bad either. Oh, I will say I, it did remind me funnily of, of an episode of Rick and Morty. Oh, nice. Yeah. There's an episode where one of their experiments goes horribly fucking completely <laughs> wrong and they turn the entire earth into fucking mutated Cronenbergian creatures. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty awesome. And so they're like, well, shit. And just go to another universe that is the same in almost every way except when they tried that experiment and accidentally killed them. And they just show up as soon as they die, clean up their fucking bodies, <laughs> bury them in the back. Yeah. And, and take here over they lives. are. Here they are. <laughs> here we go, boys. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, I've seen this before. Except Emily fucks up. <laughs> right. That's the only difference. She couldn't do herself in. You got to get harder than that. I know. I mean, when she plunked herself with that damn toilet lid, I was like, damn. One more time. <laughs> one, give it one more. Yeah. Be, be like fucking... Donnie Wahlberg beat oh, his fucking dude. ankle. Ooh. The good thing is, it's not necessarily yours. It's just a version of you. Yeah. It's not like the Corsican brothers. You were the one that wanted to meet yourself. Here you go. Attain higher consciousness. Yeah. Precisely. Attain higher consciousness by killing yourself, fool. Yeah, there you go. It's your one shot. <laughs> Don't miss this chance Yeah, to she blow. fucked up. <laughs> she fucked up. But I thought it was clever. I thought it was a good way of kind of ending this film and leaving you with those questions at the very least you have to like fuck up like your other self's face oh dude yeah so you can be like look they're like they're obviously the evil one this is chud over here <laughs> <laughs> nope no nope, they didn't do that but it's okay but like what like maybe in a different reality but legit like what are they going to do to her <laughs> i know right what what do you do because you go it's like trippy. okay so she'll be arrested and tried for attempted murder They'll have to try to verify her identity. It's going to show up as herself. What do you do? <laughs> they can try to take blood. It's going to be an identical well, DNA match. I know. What would they say? It's like, well, you you must have had like identical twins separated at birth. It's like the mom's going to be like, nah. Nope. There's no record of it either. I, only one kid came out <laughs> this bad. Yeah, you tripping? <laughs> so so, like, does she get off scot free then? Possibly. I don't know. Oh, you know what? All right. Here's something else that this, now saying this out loud, I know I've mentioned this in the past. I was watching a show. It's still on Netflix. It's a German show called Dark. Oh, yeah. It kind of deals with what we're talking about right now. Oh, okay. So if you're interested, I'd say watch that too because it deals with a lot of what we're talking about right now. Hmm. But, like, maybe she's not that screwed? Maybe not. I don't know. It's, that's how hard. Other than, like, shit's going to be really weird and complicated for everybody for a that little bit. That really changes the whole laws and everything else man <laughs> how do you try a doppelganger and it, is it attempted attempted homicide or attempted suicide oh yo yeah yo i would say you get off like uh, i know this might sound bad but i mean you could play like 
I'm having mental issues and stuff like that too. I thought I was paranoid and, and delusional seeing myself. Does she just end up becoming like a test subject the rest of her life? I know. That's, I don't know. But it brings up all those questions. Do they both end up becoming test subjects? What's going on here? Because now you don't know which one's the, like. That could also propel the whole, maybe like further push for looking into multiple universe theories and all that mm -hmm. stuff, multiple realities. They could be the test subjects. Yeah, well, it didn't seem to happen around here. So <laughs> no, I, I don't know, it. but it's still an interesting concept nonetheless. I will say I was, there was a little bit while watching this movie, I was wondering like, man, some of the different friend groups I hung out with, like how would this have played out if this happened Ooh, to uh, us? Yeah. And most of them I was like, man, we're some dumbass motherfuckers <laughs> and we technically would have never ended up all together again because <laughs> we all would have split off at different times and went and done stupid shit to that only house that had fucking lights on. What I find funny, and I, it's funny you say that too, is like, no one, our group of friends, like we're all stoners, so it would be like meeting new friends again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey. <laughs> it's like, yes, they haven't sparked that joint up yet. <laughs> when I get on this rotation. <laughs> we, we just end up in a reality with just like four or five different versions of all of us just hanging out. Hey, like, Hi, play video games. <laughs> Yo, we brought some weed and Doritos. <laughs> yeah, we all got bags. <laughs> I mean, like, we know. <laughs> The only, be a fun party. the only difference is everyone's bringing a different strain. That would be so awesome. All these different joint packs and shit. That would be a one good time. One version of me went to Flower that day. One version of me went down to Greener that day. Yeah, I think that in a idealistic <laughs> alternate reality, that could be a possibility. Yeah. Maybe somewhere out there that's happening. <laughs> Out in the, over in a corner, like I'm blowing myself. It's really weird. <laughs> self fellatio. Don't yeah. worry about it. Everyone's like, I think that's just masturbation, which I still wish he wouldn't do it in public, but <laughs> throw a cover on him. <laughs> but we get it. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> Yo, I can suck my own dick. <laughs> Technically speaking. <laughs> but, you know, those are the possibilities, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Here's one last thing, maybe I'll leave you with this too. Is I find it interesting that I was actually having conversations about you know, the choices we all make in life and whether it's, you know, the outcomes are good or bad, regardless, you still make choices. And I've, I've had those thoughts in the past too. It's like, you know, had you done this instead of that, how would it have changed your mm -hmm. current, you know, reality, so to speak? And I was like, it, it's interesting because in some regards, you don't know whether or not it would be a good or a bad thing. Right. So, you know, I think, you know, you just have to be a little bit more conscientious of, of certain choices that you make. Not all choices, but certain choices, some, you know, things that you do have control over. Whereas others, there's uncertainty, you know. So I still think it's a, an interesting subject. It is a lot of brain fodder, a lot of thought experiments, so to speak, too. But, you know, I feel comfortable in the choices I've made. Let's put it that way. And I think an important thing, too, is the choices that you make that don't have good outcomes is maybe you learn from those mistakes, so to speak. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what this film does a little bit because of the choices that people make in this film. It's like the Robert Frost poem, fucking the road less traveled or whatever, which by the way, all you, cause I know that we have so many high schoolers listening to us. <laughs> uh, when you're choosing yeah. that for your fucking graduation quote, it's not about forging your own path through life. It's him making fun of his friend who is indecisive and always worried about whether it would be different if he had done the other thing or not. See? So, yeah, there you go. Because when you actually read through that poem, it's a lot of the person, like, looking over and seeing people that, like, took the other path and wondering, like, yeah. what would it have been like if I did that? See? It's not like my path's super great because it's the one last traveled. Right. It's like, I'm curious what that path would have been like, but I took this path. Exactly. And... Those are some of those decisions you have to live with in life, you know? Mm -hmm. you know I think if you spend a lot of time playing the what-if games, you're going to lose out on a lot of things that you do have control over is what I'm getting at, too. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to, you know, look back on certain things, but, you know, we are what we are, and we're here, so there you go. Yeah, well said. I don't have anything to really follow up on that. No, I got a little deep for a second, but <laughs> but no, I like I said once again, I I do appreciate Alex recommend this a while back, and I'm glad we finally got around to it. So, yeah, thanks once again. With that, we once again don't know what we're doing next week. No, but I might have an idea. I think you brought it up maybe last night, so we'll talk about it. Okay, I don't remember what I brought up last night. I do. 
but that's okay. But for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.